Welcome to the official podcast of the Camera Rangers. Join us as we go behind the limelight. Greetings. Welcome to episode four of Behind the Limelight, the official Canberra Raiders podcast. I'm Raider Nick, and once again joined by the Raiders media manager, Mr. Ben Pollock. G'day, Ben. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, obviously, would be better if you're sitting here with a win on the board. Someone pointed out to me this week, Nick, that we haven't won a game since we started this podcast. So yeah, hopefully we can turn it around this week <laughs> and get the win on the board. I don't Isn't want that hanging off my, hanging on my back next week. Not a do I look. We'll touch on that uh, round three loss, that devastating round three loss. Ever so slightly, then we'll move on to uh, the Manly game. We'll also be joined by big Shannon Boyd and Luke Bateman. We'll have a laugh with them in the studio. And a very special Forever Green episode with a very special Raiders man. Forever Green with a twist this week. So sit back and relax wherever you're listening, whether it's in the car, whether it's while you're doing the dishes, wherever it is, come join us as we go Behind the Limelight. I was there on the sideline. The boys are putting in. But it just must hurt. They're just losing these games in the last five minutes. Getting to that period of the game in the last ten minutes where um, you're watching a game and you're watching it all unfold and the other team's starting to gain that that upper hand and they get the momentum and, and as a spectator, you could feel it coming a little bit. Um, and I just hope um, for our sake and our season's sake that the guys, you know, are feeling this as well. I know they are about um, being able to, you know, rectify this situation because um, it's happened three times in three weeks. Uh, let's let's be honest. It's, it's not the way that we wanted to start the year with losing these close games. And um, I, I do point out the fact that, you know, if things went our way, we could easily be sitting here talking about three tight wins. So, um they know there's an issue there. It's about them fixing it. None and three very easily could have been three and none. But that is the beast of rugby league. That's why we love it, though. It is. I mean, that's why you keep watching every week. And it's it's hard for fans and supporters, members at the moment, to, you know, um, sort of, I suppose process what's going on because they're watching it unfold and as I mentioned you can just feel it coming towards the back end of a game but it's just a matter of you know finding a way through it and you know with yeah. adversity um, you know comes challenge and, and that's what the boys are faced with at the moment they're faced with a challenge it's a real challenge it's it's only early in the season we keep pointing that out but um, as the weeks go on we're going to need to be better the good thing about the NRL in general though teams come in and out of form and still make the eight. Once you get that win, the pressure comes off. And in the NRL, as you know, Benny, all it takes is a good fortnight and you go straight back up there. You can take one play. You win a play or a game um, in the fashion that New Zealand did last weekend. When Then all of a sudden, you're up, a, uh, you're up in a position where um, your season can turn around on that one play. So, I mean... I'd like for it to get to a point where we we have a comprehensive win and we mm. don't have to worry about that last 10 minutes. But there is going to be a point in the season where the game's going to be on the line and we need to be able to show that we can close it out. That's what finals footy's about as well. The great thing about it is a lot of that squad knows what it's like. They were there in 2016 and playing those bigger games. We it's know there the, in the DNA. We know the team. We've got the team to do it. We, yeah. We've proven that. You know, I mean, uh, yes, the depth's been tested early. We've had some uh, changes to positions and a few guys in and out of the team um, with injuries. But... Um, this is going to happen to every footy team um, across the whole board for the whole season. So um, it's, a matter, it's about how you handle that and, and how you respond. Exactly, that respond, that key word. 
round four. A couple of injury clouds this week, Benny. Yeah, that's right. A couple of guys, as I mentioned, uh, battling some injury going into this one. Aiden Caesar um, picked up a back injury uh, against the Warriors. Uh, we all saw he copped a late shot from Adam Blair um, and a little bit of treatment during the game. So um, he'll just be assessed this week to see if he's right to play. Uh, similar situation for Sia Soliola. Just a bit of an ankle niggle. Um, he's, he's a pretty tough unit, though, Sia, and um, I'm sure that he'll do everything in his uh, power to be out there on uh, Saturday night against Manly. Strong man, that guy. Uh, a couple of 80-minute performances in those first two rounds. Finally got a rest last week. Just his, um, the way that he um, puts in in every play. I mean, yeah, he, that's when, he, when he ran down two of us to Sheck at that point of the match, that was almost uh, you know a match-winning play. Absolutely. Um, and then he made a break and backed up Austin uh, late in the game. Unfortunately, the last pass didn't stick, but he, he's a competitor and he puts in for 80 minutes. One thing I've got to say is going over to Belconnen Raiders after the game. And that probably helps the boys. That probably softens the blow a little bit for the boys as well to get all those smiling faces on the kids still making their day. That must be such a great um, exercise there for the boys to really process that to, to move on and get excited for next week. Well, they have to. They have to move on. They have to. Sh- they have, and I think the players realise that the, the support is there. I mean, yes, um, they're going to come under plenty of criticism um, uh, with the start of the season. That's going to happen. That's natural. Um, all teams go through that. But at the same time, there is the support there, and, and I know they appreciate that. Um, you know, it's up to them to be able to come out now and, and put a win on the board against Manly, who are going under their own adversity this week with all that salary cap um, uh, sort of concluding and uh, coming to a head this week and the final verdict and everything coming out like that. It was only two years ago that when we, this all broke for Manly, that it was going into a game against us. Yeah. So, you know, it's been a bit of deja vu yeah. uh, with, the, with the situation. I think, uh, you know, it's an interesting, interesting timing, but um, they're going to come out fired up. They had a pretty ordinary performance last weekend and after a good one the week before. So, um, it, they're definitely going to be, um, you know, trying to defend their home turf. Watching uh, their coach on the telly during the week um, he's going to get them really prepared and they always talk about if there's some distraction around a preparation could go either way but I think Manly they have those morals with, on, at Brookie I, on a I Saturday night they'll come out firing Trent will be uh, in their ear all week about um, backs to the wall mentality um, you know us versus them everybody hates us all that type of stuff that Manly's famous for so yeah. um, it's and about like us said, coming off a loss it's about us turning up and doing our own thing and not getting caught up in that um, we, we can't use that as a, a distraction for us we just need to make sure that we continue playing the way we did I mean, look at our completion rates they've been great um, our attack's been fantastic yes we've missed some one on one tackles yes we've you know given the game away in the last few minutes but there's still some really good signs there and I think in terms of positives there's plenty to take out I've got to mention too BJ's performance he had a Barry Blinder of a game he was outstanding his, his runs his line breaks working hard in defence the team's starting to that's what makes it so sad you know the team's really shaping well we're, we're playing well individually players are filling their potential and we're just losing him in the last few minutes it'd be a different story if we're losing by 20 or 30 yeah, that's and right. And how far it gets, well, we're minus five after three, three losses. Games. I mean, Elliot Whitehead has scored more tries than the West Tigers. Yeah. And, and they're on four competition points. I mean, there's a million ways you can cut it and dissect it and look at it. But at the end of the day, only one thing matters, and that's the amount of points on the ladder. Yeah. But having said that, we know that the boys are still, everyone's still trying. You know, for fans out there that feel it, that feel a bit uh, shattered after a loss, just think of the players after losing Ooh, that kind I've of been circumstance. In after every game, and it's, very it's a very hollow place. Um, you know, they are. Uh, absolutely gutted. I mean, there's guys there that you can hardly stand up after a game because they're that exhausted, and uh, it's definitely not from a lack of effort. 
G'day, Boydie. G'day, Beatty. How you going, mate? Not How bad, you? mate. Yourselves? Yeah, not too bad. Probably going a bit better than the big fella at the moment. He's a bit tired after gym, but... Yeah, because yeah. I actually lifted some weights. <laughs> <laughs> look, uh, we'll feed the elephant in the room just just a little bit. Um, look, another loss for you boys. Um, I sat there on the sideline. I could see the effort that you are putting in. Um, we thought devastation against the Titans, but the Warriors game. To have that feel of a victory and then to lose it in the last minute by some brilliance, uh, how did you bounce out of that emotionally? Um, well, I guess you just got to move on because if you dwell on it, it's just going to play in your mind and keep all the boys down. But um, I think we've done a pretty good job this week so far. We've all just sort of been upbeat and come in with a good approach. And if we can keep that up, I think we'll be all right. Do you talk about it much or do you just try and forget about it and move on to the next week? What's the what's the best approach? Oh, it's a hard one because you don't want to think about it too much. You don't want to dwell on it because you can't get caught up in the losses. Otherwise, you know, you'll, you'll never get over them. But... Um, at the same time, you've got to address them, and um, and you know you, you've got to learn from your mistakes. So I think it, we're, we've been pretty good the last couple of weeks at sort of addressing it, talking about what we're going to do, fixing things, and, uh, and and moving on because it's important to move on. Like I said, otherwise you just get you get bogged down, and and you you got to move on. We spoke uh, with Benny earlier about uh, having that fan little day a bit later on, right after a loss. Sometimes it might be hard to kind of face the music after a loss like that and have you know pretend to be brave but it must soften the blow too having those little smiling kids there and you're making their you know you're making their week getting the autographs from your boys and stuff it must make things a lot easier to process the loss yeah mate um we had a pretty good turnout there the other day so no, great pretty positive. we didn't have any um, negativity really at all so you know there's been a lot on social media and that's um it's it is what it is we're just got to get a few wins and hopefully get the fans back on board but uh yeah you, we'll see how we go with that. you're on social media are you mate he doesn't have, I don't think you've got an account, have you? No, Facebook, that's it. <laughs> Boydie, um, for you, in your role in the team, you, you sort of the, the senior front rower at the moment, getting the start the games. And how are you feeling that? And do you think that you'd like to push a few more minutes out? And how's the, how's the body feeling going in these games? Uh, yeah, look, I took probably a different approach this year. Last year, I sort of wanted to play more minutes, and I think I took away from my footy a lot. And uh, I just said to Whitey at the start of this year, I said, look, I'm just going to have a bit more of a crack, and if I blow out quicker, I blow out quicker. We've got Junes there, and he can play big minutes. So I think that sort of is making my footy a bit better at the moment, and the minutes will come probably more so in the second half. My first half stints have been all right. I'm happy with that because, you know, we can keep us in there for 20 minutes each and we can sort of be a bit more impact that way. And in the second half, I probably um, just, yeah, just need to get a bit more fitness under my belt there and I'll be all right. What about you, Luke? Uh, starting the, the match in the last couple of weeks because of um, some changes to the team for injury and, and that type of thing and how are you enjoying that role? Yeah, mate, I love it. Obviously, um, you know, as a footy player, you, you always want to uh, you always want to be a starter. Um, you know, you never you don't want to be a bench player your whole life. Um, so, so it's, I've I've really enjoyed um, you know um, starting the last couple of weeks, and it's been really good. Um, you know, Sticky's asked me for some some big minutes, and and I've really enjoyed playing a lot more minutes. Um, you know, I, I was used to only getting about forty fifty minutes a week, so to get up around the sixty seventy, uh, I've been really enjoying it. And um, you know, I, I love me love me footy, and and the more I can play, the the better it is. You were one of the teams that didn't have a trial at the start of the year, or half a trial, let's just say. How are you feeling right now? When do you really start to really peak and get into that really comfortable area of uh, match fitness? Well, the only way to get the fitness is playing games. And look, you can play as many trials as you want, but I don't think it really does that much for you because it still takes four or five weeks to get that fitness. So, look, you might be a week ahead, but it's not going to help that much, I don't think. And we've done a lot of um, in like in in a club 
trials and that sort of stuff and a lot of opposed stuff with each other which is just as good as playing a trial and we probably play more minutes in those sort of games and so yeah I, I don't think that's really a factor in it it's just we've got to get um, a few little things right and we've had a few things go against us and it's hurt us in the end You face a Manly team this weekend uh, that's going to have their backs against the wall a little bit they've had some off field issues this week um, and also uh, the fact that they're coming off a bit of a stinging loss as well um, how much of that do you have to put aside and, and just concentrate on your own game this weekend uh, yeah well we're in a bit of a similar boat aren't we I mean we're um, we've got our backs against the wall and uh, we've come off a stinging loss as well so I mean um, yeah, we just got we've been focused on ourselves and um, just working hard on the little things we've got to improve because you know it's uh yeah, zero and three, it doesn't look very good. But, you know, to be honest, we've, we've been five points away from being three from three. So, you know, it's only, it's only very little things. And, um, you know, we're not too far away from, uh, from changing results. So I think the, the main focus has just been fixing that. Do you, do you feel it coming, that last 10 minutes of the game? What, what's going through your heads when you're out in the field? Because, you know, people sitting in the stands are starting to think, you know, God, you know, they're on the edge of their seat. They're worried that the, the game's going to slip away. What, what's it like as a player? How do you feel when you're out there in that situation? What do you do? Yeah. What goes through your head? Oh, it's funny you ask that because we've sort of we've asked ourselves that the last thing over the couple, last couple of weeks. And um, to be honest, when I've been out there for the last ten minutes, I've, I've felt pretty comfortable, and and I've never actually been sitting like on the field going, Jesus, I, I, I just. I can't. I hope they don't score a trial. You know, we've always, we've always we've said that everyone's felt pretty comfortable, and you know, I've been pretty confident when I'm out there that we'll we'll close the game. And I've thought, you know, these blokes won't score a try on us, and then sort of just something small happens, and they and then they end up getting over the line. So it's um I don't know. It's it's been a weird it's been a weird feeling because you know I sort of get to the end of the eighty minutes and I go I feel like we've won but we haven't. Yeah, it just <laughs> happened so quickly though. Yeah. Like you were, it was nineteen six and then it got to nineteen twelve and then you think okay we can hang on to that seven point lead and then just bang Even bang bang. Even when that first field goal went over, I thought oh well it's going to Golden Point now. There's still a chance for the boys to regroup and and come away but you, you must just walk off there Boydie in utter disbelief yeah mate look the boys had a pretty tough last 10 minutes on the field too they done I think it was probably the last 6 or 7 sets of D in a row so like there's a bit of fatigue there and the Warriors were you know had the wind up their sails so they were they were running hard and making some good metres there which made it hard for our boys to slow them up and um, you know that for him to hit 2 field goals in a row is pretty bloody unlucky <laughs> yeah it's um, it's a funny thing you know momentum in rugby league um uh, we've unfortunately probably the last five minutes of the last three games it's been it's gone against us where you know a bit of momentum the other way and, and we probably would have closed it out yeah let's um let's stop talking about that now because <laughs> I'm over talking yeah, about it like you told me there was going to be no hard yeah, questions yeah. no hard questions <laughs> let's move on yourself body another baby or a first baby I saw you there in the change rooms before the game how's fatherhood treating you yeah it's good mate it's uh, it's pretty enjoyable you get to go home and um, you got a little baby there now and uh, you know, it probably brings you, me and my partner closer and everything else and the sleep's probably the hardest part but other than that it's um, yeah, are you actually it. doing anything are you getting up in the night and supporting changing <laughs> not, nappies and that type of thing what, what sort of role are you playing there Boydie because it's you know are you helping out at night or is that is that your time for get some sleep no I like to try and help out a bit because she's got to um, you know it's not fair she gets up three times a night and <laughs> has to do it it takes 45 minutes doesn't it so I'll try and do one feed a night and then it's only sort of half hour 45 minutes and then I go back to sleep and she does the rest so but during the day I try and do a bit and Jeez, you're a good bloke <laughs> obviously preparation might be disrupted with sleep has it changed your mindset too much and having that little extra one there 
not a hell of a lot, I don't think. It's just uh, you sort of want to be home more and be there for them a bit more. But other than that, it's I don't. I just think my mindset was already better before I even had the baby with my footy this year. So I'm just trying to keep that going. I think one thing a family does is it does take a lot of time away from things that you used to be able to do on a whim. Um, I know you like your hunting and fishing and stuff like that. Are you still finding time to to get out there and do a few things you like? Not as much as I'd like to, but I've still been going a little bit. So you know, it's just I haven't been playing as much golf. <laughs> I haven't had the time, so I've given that a bit of a flick, so I'll have to get back into it. Now, speaking of hunting, your nickname's Pig. Can you explain to us how you got that nickname? Oh, man. Because it looks like one. It looks like one. I have no idea. I used to go pig hunting, and then everyone just started calling me Pig, and that's just pretty much stuck. And, and, and you're the, the wombat. Can yeah. you explain that one? Is that He's is got that, no neck, and he's just horn off, so he's <laughs> yeah. like a wombat. Yeah, no, just because I'm a sawn off, basically. Everyone was everyone was just into me about being a sawn off and having no neck, and then it just became wombat. <laughs> Beatty, you're a queen, proud Queenslander. Yeah. Uh, you've come from the uh, the Miles Devils, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Western <laughs> Queensland, yeah, about four and a half hours west of Brizzy. You've been handy for a while now. We'd just like to ask you about Canberra, mate. How do you find Canberra? The cold starting to kick in now. You, you love the place? Yeah, mate, I absolutely love the place. Um, you know, I moved down here when I was 17, finished, finished grade 12 on the Friday, moved down on the Monday and and um, been here ever since. And um, um, I love it down here. You know, coming from a country town, uh, I love the, I love it. It's nice and quiet down here. There's never any traffic. Or you know, me, my family live in Brisbane now. I go home during the off season, and whatnot, and you're in traffic stuff and traffic for a half an hour a day. You go, this sucks. You're just getting back to Canberra. Yeah. No, I, I love it down here. It is like a big country town. A lot of people say it, but it is, and um, I really enjoy living well, it's down here. Best of both worlds, eh? It is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's um, you know, it's only five minutes everywhere, but you can you get to the west. You know. There's a Westfield only five minutes down the road, and uh, movie cinemas. Uh, you know, we never plus, had any of that growing up. Plus, he's misses the breadwinner too, being a jockey. So. Yeah, she's right. Actually, <laughs> she's got a good retirement. She actually me. got uh, nominated. Uh, I think she came third in the ride of the week yeah, last yeah. week. I've seen that. I said, yeah, I said to her, I said, you got ride of the week. She said, nah, I come third. And I said, oh, so you don't know. Right. Yeah, for those of people that are listening that don't know, Kayla Nisbet, uh, jockey for around this region, I would say, yep, more yep. provincial jockey. Yeah, yeah, doing, country, doing, yep, getting yep. some rides in um, Sydney every now and again. But yeah, yeah. It's like being in a uh, in a relationship where you're both professional sports people, and yeah. and how do you support each other? <laughs> Uh, I say this to her all the time. I say that she's not actually an athlete. The the horses are the actual superstars of the industry. But I got quite a bit of backlash from that. <laughs> no, no, she that's um, risky business. She, <laughs> no, she's very tough. Her alarm goes off at three forty five a.m. every single morning, and um, she goes and does track work every day. And then you know she some days driving three or four hours there, um, you know there and back um, to to ride to ride. And um, you know she she's tough. She um, she always tells me that she's tougher than I am, and I always say she isn't. But you know. Honesty, she probably is, and um, it, it's funny. Um, you know, it's it's nice because um, we sort of both have our own own things, and then we can come home and um, you know talk about it. It's nice to sort of get away from each other every now and again. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep digging that hole. Yeah, yeah. 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 the wombat's digging his hole. She doesn't listen to podcasts, so it's all right. Yeah, Boydy, uh, you're a caro man. Drove through there on the way to Bathurst last year. I won't mention that <laughs> wording in Bathurst because we're still carrying baggage with that game. But, um, you know, I remember you mentioned too once when you were younger, you and your brother used to drive a lot back to Canberra there and forth. What was that like um, growing up over the years, playing junior grades at the Raiders, having to just jump in their car? And times when you're a young bloke thinking, geez, I'd rather be out with the mates, hanging out, but now I've got to jump in a car to Canberra for two hours. 
Oh, it was mainly during the week, so it wasn't too bad. There was um, another young fellow, Jeffrey Lynch and Carl Planica, that were travelling with me as well. So, and Luke Sutton, um, there was four of us, and we just uh, you know swap it all up, and it wasn't too bad. And Lynch's mum used to play the old um, pink the whole way there, the whole way back, and, <laughs> and change the song, and she was just bopping away, loving it. So um, that was a bit of a you know a bit of a thrill. So um, we done that every every week, you know, twice a week, and then you'd just go back on the weekend, stay the Friday night, and come back home on the Saturday, and just do it all over but it wasn't too bad as a young fellow you're that keen and you just yeah. want to get into it so it was pretty enjoyable it's just a, it's a time when you move down here and you move away from your mates and you miss out on all the the um, parties and all that sort of stuff and all, all those fun things in life but you know, well, it's, uh, it's not happening now with the baby on the way yeah. <laughs> little baby there yeah. Yeah. It's, no, it's it's what about the farming mate is that something you want to get into when you when you finish your footy will you, will you kick on with the family out there the old man's um, got a plenty, bit of plenty of property out there and really it's going on talks about oh, can't wait to get back to the farm. Me and my brother have bought two farms at the moment, so um, we'll go back and work on there. And um, my partner's off a property as well. So two, two farms. Yeah. Jeez, it must be nice to be on a million dollar contract. Yeah, I wish, mate. Yeah. Because what did one farmer say to the other farmer? No idea. How's your farm going? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a dead joke. <laughs> Swimming. Now. I've been told, and I've, uh, I think both of you were, were quite good swimmers at younger ages. Yeah. Who would win me. a 100-metre freestyle race between you two? Absolutely no doubt in my mind it would be me, Ben. You, big, because you, you, do you, ever, you still hold records, junior records or anything like that? Or is it, <laughs> did, you, did you hold records at some point, I, I think I've been told? Yeah, yeah, you like to bring this one up, don't you? Um, yeah, I've I, um, still... So, Probably hold a few. <laughs> <laughs> Just try and not sound like a buddy. Help yourself. I'll probably still hold a few records around miles for swimming. Mm. Um, Wouldn't be hard. There's only about three people. Yeah. Right? <laughs> 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 the creek is me. Couple swim lanes down the Dogwood Creek. So what happens there? Like, it's always interesting to see a young kid growing up excelling at a number of sports. Rugby league, how, how did that kind of take hold? The place of swimming, a record breaker like yourself. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, in, it was funny. In, in miles, there's only pretty much swimming in the summer and then footy in the winter. There, you know, there wasn't you couldn't there wasn't cricket, there wasn't soccer. It was just just rugby league and swimming was about the only two things you could do. No pictures so, at miles either, right? Huh? <laughs> no, no, no pictures. Um, but yeah, so I'd literally swim six months of the year when the when the pool opened up and then, and then play footy the other six months when it was winter. And I, um, you know, I always probably like footy a bit more. You know. Um, yeah, it always took a bit more after that. Then I moved down to Brisbane when I was 15 and, and swimming sort of went to the wayside a bit. But, um, you know, I've still got a bit of a soft spot for swimming and we do a bit of swimming every now and again during the pre-season. So it's nice to get back in the pool. And yourself, Pointy? No, mate. Can you move through the water pretty good? You've got size right, 16 not, not shoes on you. you have a fair flippers on you. <laughs> yeah. He actually does get through it all right, actually, for a buddy 130 kilo. You were 130, come on, mate. Jesus you obviously oh, 29.5 <laughs> <laughs> at that age you obviously still had that weight that, that kind of big prop forward weight yeah no not really I used to probably be leaner when I was young I used to play with centers and that as well so Fair yeah, I, was, um, I used to run 100 and about oh, whatever it was it was pretty quick back in the day so put on some weight and went the other way then yeah, went to the front row and yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty confident <laughs> All right, boys, we might leave it there. Um, thanks for coming in. Thanks, thanks boys. Good luck. Thank you. On the Behind the Limelight podcast, we present Forever Green. We talk to players from the past that wore the lime green jersey with pride, passion and plenty of courage. Stop!
very special edition of Forever Green today. We don't have a former player, but throughout the year we're going to have some exceptions, like today. Big round of applause for Canberra Raiders historian David Heaton. Yeah, welcome, David. Thanks, boys. Great to have you here. First of all, Canberra Raiders historian. Uh, how did uh, how did that title come about, and how did you become involved in this club? Well, it's uh, given that Nick said sort of he, you know, he's not a former player. I am a former player, not with the Raiders, um, and and way back in the 1970s. And it's relevant to the story because I was lucky enough ultimately to do um, a doctorate in Canada. And while I still played a bit of rugby there, they certainly weren't playing rugby league. Um, that break from sort of Sydney footy because I grew up in the Manly area. In fact, played with Alan Thompson, uh, but way back in the in the day, and uh, and and Manly had a lot of local players. Um, I went to Canada, then to the Northern Territory. And it's all relevant because when the family finally got a, a really good job here at Ad for Teaching Literature, um, I came here in '85 with the family, and 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 knew the course that the Raiders were in the comp, but didn't know much about them. And I hadn't played league or followed league for all those years because I was away out of the country and all of that. Came here, went out to Seaford, and if ever there was a moment when I walked in the gates of Seaford that I was, was like walking to Brookvale Oval, sort of almost kind of 1959, and I thought, this will do me. And the kids loved it. Of course, the side was just, you know, I, mean, I won't say sort of really the momentum was growing, but it was such a great atmosphere. Um, and then, of course, as we know, in those early years, there was a bit of success, but the, the major success, of course, occurred in first first major success was making the 87 grand final. Um, and I'd never written on sport. I'd certainly never written on rugby league. But I was so switched on, as we all were, by the 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 what the the impact on the community. And, and and Nick, you were saying earlier about the idea of you know Canberra's not got a soul. Well, if ever there was a moment when that was in the news from everyone, you know what I mean. This has given the city a soul and all of that stuff. And it and it really did turn on the population which only grew as we know in the coming years but it was just just wonderful to behold and I thought I'll send something to the Camera Times they said if we like it we'll run it they liked it and they ran it on the day before the grand final and I started writing on the Raiders for the next probably six eight ten years. Queenie and Canberra was such a rugby town such a football town and then for them to get a, t- a team to sink their teeth into and it didn't just galvanise the sporting side of Canberra and Queenie, it galvanised the whole town. What was that like for you? All of a sudden the lights were turned on down here. Uh, absolutely. And, and we recall going back then that the, that the Canberra Cannons basketball had had some success. And the but, black jerseys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and that was interesting of itself. But it was, you know, and, and Smythe and all of that. But it was nothing like what happened, you know, in that year because, as, as you know, one good game led to another. They were playing even there, well, then, such an attractive brand of football. Um, you know, I often, I was going on radio a bit back then in sort of 1986 and I do remember that I said that uh, I'm, I'm from henceforth I'm going to talk about Canberra pre-Meninga and post-Meninga from the time he arrived which was as we know in 86. 86 interestingly wasn't such a good year for a variety of reasons we don't have to go into but 87 things started to come together and, and, and you know those Queensland players coming here along with wonderful local players starting to put their hand up and, and, and the rest is history. Well, we all know the evolution of, of how it all panned out and uh, obviously the success during that, you know, sort of really golden age uh, between that late 80s, mid to late 80s, early 90s. Um, now that you're back involved as a historian, how did you get back involved in the club after a, a, a sort of a semi-hiatus, I suppose? Good question and it's quite simple, two words, Ricky Stewart. Um, uh, and and that really was the 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 when he came here uh, in 2013, and even actually before he arrived, but certainly after he arrived, 
the things that he was saying, uh, what, what he had in mind for the club, to not so much change a culture as rediscover you know, a, a culture and, 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 and the kinds of things that the club in the past had done so well. And I, I loved everything he was saying and, and, and the fact of, of inviting back the older players and making that more special. Um, you know, Brett Dixon, I know, the count stay, you know, know, everything made about the numbers of the players' numbers and for, I think Sticky's 98, isn't he? 98, you know, and, yes, yeah. And they're all, they're all kind of really proud of that. I just liked every element of, of what he was saying straight away. And and I and, and and it is the case, you know. I played footy way way back when, and it is, it's certainly the case with footballers and indeed players in sport that that you need a kind of leader. And and the things that Rick was saying about the history of the club, that that was what was really important. The club as family and bringing people like Chicker in. You know, I've already written the introductions, written and a lot more. But in the introduction, I you know he had I, I actually quote um, Ricky on 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 Fergo, and um, it was yeah that that was, that was just a. It was that that turned me back on, and I'd been put off by Super League, though I still get the season tickets coming. But I didn't write a thing from from the mid nineteen nineties, pretty much Super League, all the way through to now. So you talk about the introduction. Uh, of course, we're alluding to the project that you've been commissioned to do, and that is putting together um, a historical uh, book about the club and and how it all kicked off, and not just the Raiders, but rugby league in this area, and and delving back a little bit further than that. So um, tell us about the book and and what the timeline is for that. Well, Ben, it's, it's a real thrill for. Me. Um, so basically, I've been writing writing for about six months, but researching for about eighteen months on the history of the Canberra Raiders. Um, it'll be called Absolutely Bleeding Green, uh, and it's a line that, uh, that 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 the present captain used about Alan Tung, um, and I thought that was absolutely perfect. But a history of the club. As soon as I started, Ben, you know, in terms of the question, started researching. One thing, because I, I I was the the, the the Canberra historian for the centenary, so I worked on that for about six seven years, and I I do. Know it pretty well, you know. I was getting paid to do it, but I but I know it pretty well. And the result was, I was aware of the kind of sporting background of this of this area and how rich it was, particularly rugby league. And 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 once I started to do a bit of digging, all sorts of things came to the fore. And I don't want to give too much away, sort of spoiler alerts. But to give just one example, and I brought it in. There's a there's a there's a sundial now outside the visitors centre at Queenbeyan, um, and the person who actually donated that sundial to the town of Queenbeyan was Nathan Moses Lazarus. Well, it happens he's the great-great-grandfather of Glenn. Now, I'm not even sure that Glenn knows that. Um, he donated that in 1860. It's in the, it's in the town, it's in the, you know, today. It's and still about that time, tell the time out there. <laughs> Watch it, Benny. <laughs> Watch it, mate. But it's, it's, it's for, you know, the Queenbean story is a cracker. And because I'm, I'm, I'm well across the national capital story, rugby league needed yep. those two well, together. Queenbean and, and the Raiders are synonymous. That's where it started. Born out of the Queenbean Leeds Club, Les McIntyre's vision for a team entering a Sydney competition and playing that first decade of football out at Seaford Oval. I mean, Queenbean's such an important part of the Canberra Raiders. Well, Fred Campbell, who was a rally and a little a couple of generations down, he had Yarralumna, which ultimately became the, the Governor General's residence. Fred Campbell came back from private uh, public school, as they call it in England, in 1864, because of deaths in the family. They were already down here, the Campbells. He played in a captain, the Sydney University rugby team, in 1865, 
and then brought rugby down here. So there's Campbell with the direct connection basically from Sydney to here and then the politician from 1885 to 1904 who kind of owned the area, real personality, E.W. O'Sullivan, he was an early administrator in the first 12 months of rugby league in Sydney as well. So two key people from this area were playing a role and then, you know, we'll go on at a later date but, you know, the, the big thing, the, the big year for the region was 1921 um, and that was when the first league games were played. You know, first first between Bungendore and Queanbeyan in May of, 18, of 1921 wow. um, and then and then the first one in what was then the Federal Capital Territory was between Queanbeyan and notice Queanbeyan, as they always do, um, the Warrigals as they were, you know, they ultimately had a new name but the, the Warrigals played Hall um, uh, in about two months later. And then, and I've pieced the whole story together, a dual international called Bob Craig. Such a, you know, They reckon the best sportsman in Australia for a decade. Dual international, gold medal winner in the 1908 Olympics. Queenbee and Warrigals had the foresight to invite him down. He was here for a matter of weeks but he turned the club around in their games against Yes, and he has quite a story, which actually ultimately ends in his suicide in the 1930s. But Bob Craig was a, was a key. He got a wallet of notes from the punters when he when he left, uh, plus a plus a cigarette case. Um, but his story factors really really crucially in the story, so that all of this means it doesn't come out of a vacuum. 1982 and the Raiders, so far from not coming out of a vacuum, it's as football in this region is virtually as old as football in the entire country. There's a couple of really uh, interesting bits of information about the early conception of the Raiders in the late 70s. I think they were battling against a Campbelltown team, was all the Raiders or Campbelltown? The, yep. And I think they had Others, to... Illawarra, uh, Illawarra, obviously. Illawarra, Newcastle. And yep. the Raiders had to like, pay for the away buses, I think about $300 yeah, a, an away and bus. The fog became an issue, getting yeah. teams in and out of Canberra. That was a, that was a the airplane that they used. Yep. Yeah. Planes, that was, uh, you know, I mean, and, and again, I'll be piecing that entire story together in the coming weeks, as it turns out. I've got all the material. But you're absolutely right. There had to be incentives... And, you know, it comes down to a key vote, and perhaps we can talk about that at, at another time. But, it, it, you know, pretty much the agitation begins in the late 70s, and Les McIntyre is central to that, um, and ultimately, of course, son John. Um, but, but Les was aware that what he wanted, and in fact, in the first instance, I'm sure you both know that, and, 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 and the listeners out there, all the faithful, that, that Les was keen that it should be Queanbeyan. Queanbeyan Blues. Yeah. But... He got tapped on the shoulder to pretty much say, you know, if you've, you know, your only chance of getting a side into the Sydney competition mm. is if it's in fact a Canberra side. Yeah. Thus, we get that really interesting merging of of of, of Canberra City and Queenby and Town in what became the Raiders, and and that was a little bit tricky for for a while, in truth, you know, between the administrators of Canberra Rugby League Football, which had their own history going back to the 1920s, and, of course, Queanbeyan, which had a history that went back well before the 1920s through rugby, etc., etc. But well, I, can't wait to, I can't wait to read it. It's, it's a fascinating story, and as you said, it goes back many years. Uh, in your... Uh, in your digging and, and researching so far, um, you've uncovered um, uh, quite an interesting tale involving the current coach, Ricky Stewart, and, uh, and a pair of football boots. Quickly tell us a little bit about that story. Uh, it, it is a cracker. I, I came across a throwaway reference from Tom Keneally of Schindler's Ark and, you know, one of the great Australian novelists ever. 
Tom, a football fanatic who loves his Manly Warringah, as you know, as is well publicised, Tom had made reference in a wonderful article just after the '89 Grand Final that he said was a movie script come to life, which I'll use. Um, said that 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 Ricky had in fact got these these boots from from Campo, um, and that was like pieces of the True Cross, which you know, typical almost Roman Catholic priest as he as he Cadeli was, um, made that reference and I thought, surely that's not you know, that couldn't be right. Well it it, it definitely is right. Um, and ultimately those boots were auctioned shortly after the grand final um, and the Lidbury fair, and that was because Steve Lidbury had hurt him. Um, he's very, very badly injured, and it was an auction to raise money for litters. And um, and 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 Sticky put the boots in, and I've actually got the plaque because the Lidbury family has those boots today. But it and it says in the plaque that 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 Rick's boots had been stolen. Thus, he he got on the phone to Campo. They hadn't been stolen. Right from the horse's mouth, right from from uh, Stick himself, was that those boots that that in fact he turned up for the '89 Grand Final without his boots. He remembered from way back when, when he and Campo were playing together, that they had the same shoe size. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> he was at the Cremia White. So that's right. He got yeah. got on the blower. Well, there's no mobile phones then either, so we would have yeah. had to have ring the the house phone. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Where, you know, Campo can't send Campo. him a text. To Campo, <laughs> Campo, I need your boots. Exactly right. <laughs> While prepping for a Grand Final. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're told that those very same magical boots Campo had worn uh, for the Galloping Greens for Ranwick to win the competition for Ranwick that year, and they're the ones that Ricky bought. So it's quite a story. It's a wonderful story. So it was 89, not 90? 89. Okay, 89. 89. Amazing stuff. Okay, so... Wow. Look, look, like I said, I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on this book when it is finished. Uh, A timeline, I believe, of uh, sort of looking towards the middle of next year, I believe, for the the, the book. Exactly, Ben. Well, you know, we've had a discussion, you and Jason and company, and, and, and I think it was really great sort of suggestion that we would look at the Forever Green round in season 2019. I couldn't be happier because it gives me a little bit more time. I wasn't expecting the riches that the deep history has produced for this book, which is so I've been rolling into that because I pretty much know kind of 82 onwards, sort of. You know what well, I mean? Well, that's everything. A lot of the Cambraders people's perception out there is just... It all stemmed from the Queen Leeds Club of the 60s, and this, it's so blurry before that. that I don't even know about all that stuff about the Lazaruses of the it, world. No, no, t- totally true, because virtually everyone's sort of perception in this in this area is, yeah, people started to give a bit of idea in the 60s. In the 70s, it was a little bit firmer, and then it was controversial, and finally they got in. So that it more or less came out of not quite a vacuum, but sort of a queen being footy of the 60s and 70s well nothing could be further from the truth do you know what I mean it's a story which just keeps giving for, the, for this historian I love alright well you've got plenty of research to go so we're going to we're going to try something out here now I'm not sure I'm not putting any pressure on you to get any of these right as club historian but I've cobbled <laughs> together some trivia questions what am I going to do can I ask this ask me give me another trivia quiz in about uh, three or four months we'll, and I'll we'll do redo vastly better when we, when but let's go back, when we get Two you back to the podcast let's, again let's we'll go. give you another crack so how I'm going to do this I'm going to Dave I'm going to give you opportunity to answer the question first and then Nick who is Raider Nick tragic I'm going to give him a chance to answer these as well so go I'll ahead and embarrass me but I'll see how I go <clears throat> okay here we go David versus Goliath here we go who did the Raiders play in their first home game in 1982 <sighs> um, they played Western Suburbs correct Western Suburbs they lost 33-4 crowd of 6,769 out there at Seaford Oval for the first home game <laughs> how many wins did the, the Raiders get in their first year 
I think four. Correct. Who's good start here? Good start. <laughs> okay. David Grant was the club's first captain. Who was the second? Yeah, I thought you were hoping you were going to give me his nickname. But uh, okay, second captain. I'm going to say Jay Hoffman. No, no, not right. Was it Ron Gitto? No, it wasn't Ron. He was the third captain. In 1983, it was Alan McMahon. He was oh, the second okay. captain of the club. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Got it. Here's an easy one for you. What year did the Raiders first make the finals? First make the finals. And I, I mean, 84. No. 87. 87. They had a playoff in 80 yeah, yeah. for fifth but, position. But, they but, they but they that's lost. not that is a yeah. Okay, that's not that's 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 Yes, okay. correct. Okay, David, number six. The Canberra Raiders Clubman of the Year Award. It's named after which pivotal person uh, involved in the foundation of the Raiders? Oh, no, that one. Long-time patron of the club as well. Liz McIntyre. No. Fred Daly. Fred Daly, oh. correct. Very good, very good. Absolutely. All right. Question number seven. Which two Raiders have won the Dally M medal the, for the Player of the Year? Not including the Rothmans medal, which Ricky Stewart won one year. This is the Dally M Award. Who, how many Raiders? Or well, sorry, which two Raiders? And, and if you can tell me what years they they won them as well. Ooh. I know these. Okay. No, See, I haven't been concentrating on this for years. I'm growing in confidence, yeah, mate. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, no, killing him. Not, I would have thought. I mean, I would have thought Ricky got. Yep, it. correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was one. Yep. Uh, he was, and he got in '88. No, '93 was his. Uh, okay. The, okay. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, Ricky's one. Two, uh, who would the other one be? Uh, it would be... Oh, I'm going to say Bradley Clyde. No, it wasn't Clyde. It was Laurie in 95. Not okay. Correct. Okay. Very good. Ricky, Very good. Got, <laughs> Ricky stood up at the a medal award on crutches right, to get the, Rothman, leg. He got the Rothmans medal as well that year. Yeah, That's yeah. right. He just cleaned out. Yep. Yeah, 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 got it. All right, here's yeah, one. Yeah, he here's one that could be... Yeah. Last uh, you have to be I suppose you'd have to be pretty observant to pick this one up but you know it's, it's gettable what number did Paul Osborne wear in the 1994 grand final he obviously came in late Johnny yeah, Lomax yeah, yeah, suspended sure. for a spear sure. tackle in the Remember preliminary well. final God. so he missed the game and Ozzy came on a the, hero the best 15 two, minutes of his life that's right through two <laughs> crucial passes to yeah. set up tries yeah, yeah. what number did he wear um, this goes back to the, the, the days where President's Cup. President's Cup yeah. numbers were named up into the high 40s, 50s even mm. um, for Jersey. So. Okay, I reckon so. Uh, I know this one. You know this oh, one too? Yeah. He's all over it. Kill me. Kill me. I, I don't, I'm only, I'm only going to be guessing. Uh, okay. And that would be, I will say, um, 16. No. 46. 46 is correct. <laughs> That's right. Came in late. I'll never forget that number Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this is a tough one. Uh, Who kicked... Two goals for the Raiders in the famous 2000 snow game against the West Tigers. Who was a goal kicker that day? He got two from five in absolutely dreadful conditions. Shamefully, I was there. <laughs> I was actually at the game, so... So 7,500 people showed up to that game. About 48,000 claimed to have been there that day. I know. This, <laughs> one, this is one where I can, I can say I was there. Um, hold on. What year was it? It was 2000 against the West Tigers. Do you know this one, Nick? I reckon I could probably nut it out. I can give you guys a clue. He actually played also for our opponent this weekend, Manly. He's actually played oh, for I them know. as well. I know. Yep. 
All right, we're going to have to wrap no, it up. No, no, yeah, wrap it yeah. no, no, go to Luke Williamson. Luke Williamson is correct. Oh, got well done. All right, final one, and this is uh, this is target. <laughs> our last yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. Our last question targets the yep. uh, the current squad. Yep. We talked about Raiders numbers before and the history of bringing that in. Who yep. is Raider number three three three? Well, I haven't got a clue. Well, I can tell you now, you could work it out roughly because our most recent debutante was Liam Knight, rated 349. So yep. he's been here for a couple of years. He's still here. 333. 333. Joshua Papali's 300. So it's got to be someone sort of in between Papali and okay. Knight. 333. I'll um, just pick that because it's a... Luke Bateman. No, it's not Bateman. Three three three. Three three three. It's... I'll narrow it down to two for you guys. Yeah. He's English. Okay, Hodjo. Yeah. No. Uh, Whitehead. Elliot Whitehead. Whitehead, there it is. Yeah, yeah. All right, very well. I think you, did. I think you both did very well there. So you, <laughs> you, you can remain the historian. All, all uh, interesting. Thanks for coming out, David. We appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing the book. And we'll definitely have you back on uh, the podcast uh, behind the limelight a little bit later in the season once you've had a chance to do some more research. Yeah. Appreciate it.